Welcome to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. I am James Ham. I am back from an extended vacation, and joining me is the one and only Doug Christie. DC, what's going on? Man, Hamster, it's been a while. Um, all is well, though, man. Uh, you've been globetrotting around the world. Uh, Kings making moves, and we're getting ready uh, as the summer begins to wind down we're gonna start ramping it back up baby that's right so uh yeah i was in europe uh, me and the family spent 19 days in europe we we traveled from paris to barcelona to rome all over italy had a good time hung out uh with my good friend ricardo pratizzi who is a uh, a journalist that came out to sacramento and cover marco benelli for a uh, bellinelli for uh for NBA Italy and uh, newspapers all over Italy and for Sky. Um, so a, a good trip, Doug. Have you, have you done anything uh, wild and crazy as far as travel? No, man. I've, uh, we went to Jamaica. I went to Seattle. Just got back from China. So you nothing know, nothing a, crazy. Did, <laughs> nothing crazy. You know, I, I just, you know, dipped on the Great Wall for a moment. Uh yeah, I've, I've been uh, I've been a few places, but nothing outlandish. I've been to China before, never the Great Wall, though. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so uh, let's get to this. We we've had a wild off season of Kings basketball, and since Doug and I haven't uh, sat down and and done this for a while, uh, we can track through just about everything. Um, we have a coaching uh, staff change, uh, which I think was substantial. Um, and it wasn't just one coach, it was all of the coaches, and we have all a whole new group of, of coaches and assistants. Uh, Doug, let's start there. Um, what is your first impression of what you've seen from, from Luke Walton? And uh, really, I mean, we haven't got to speak to Luke. Um, it's been an awkward situation. Everyone knows what's going on with Luke Walton outside of basketball, um, and the response from the team is to not – uh, not have Luke speak to the press. So since his introductory press conference, we haven't got a chance to get our hands on him. But Doug, I think you've had conversations with him and not media conversations, just conversation. What are your thoughts on him as a head coach? You know, I'm, I'm highly impressed by Luke. I, I always have been since his first stint with the um, Golden State Warriors and the ability to manage uh, egos and a team that, you know, a lot of people said, oh, I could coach itself, you know, but coaching is, is, is something different. I was impressed then uh, just talking to him, his basketball IQ, just talking about basketball, love his laid back demeanor. It seems that the, the guys really uh, enjoy him and like him and, uh, I, I dig it, man. I, I, I really do. I'm hoping that he has a, a great deal of success. I, I think that if you watch the Lakers play last year, they shot more three-pointers than the Sacramento Kings, but they didn't even shoot as a high a clip as the Kings. So I would anticipate 
uh, more threes from the Kings, a faster pace. And uh, I love some of the, the coaching moves that I saw. I believe his name is Bob Byers that they, that mm-hmm. they brought in. I got to see a little bit of him in the uh, summer league practices and his attention to detail on the defensive end is what led me to uh, be a little bullish and have the Kings from someplace to 45 to 48 wins. Uh, whether that gets you to the playoffs or not, I, I think if they improve on the defensive end with the offensive um, firepower that they have, and I think how Luke, um, I, I don't know this, but if you base it upon what you've seen LA plans to play, that the pace should increase and de- defensive intensity and tension to detail should increase. Okay, so uh, here's my opinions on the the changeover. First of all, um, I, I want to give props to, to Dave Yeager and his staff. Um, I think mm-hmm. what they did Absolutely. in their final year um, was really shocking. No one expected the Kings to win uh, 39 games. They realistically should have won more like 42 or 43, uh, but they really struggled towards the end of the season when the wheels kind of fell off the bus and they were out of contention. Um, I thought he changed his stripes as a coach and showed you that he was versatile uh, and still had the great out-of-the-timeout plays and uh, the game finishing plays that that have made him a very very a very good coach over the course of his NBA career. Um, his decision to battle Brandon Williams uh, and to really take a hardline stance um, is ultimately probably what cost him his relationship uh, with Vlade and cost him his job in Sacramento. Um, and so I, I think he did a great job. But here's what I'm going to say, Doug is. What Luke Walton does is what Dave Yeager did changing his stripes, uh, doing something different for Dave Yeager. Uh, and so that there's hope for me that this is what Luke Walton, how Luke Walton coaches. He, he loves the up-tempo style, the, the quick pass, the get the ball up and down the floor. Um, but like you said, last year, I think the number is the Lakers shot um, 80 more three-point attempts than the Kings, and the, and the Kings actually hit 80 more than the Lakers did. Um, and oh that tells you that he's got shooters. And uh, I think that that's a huge, huge thing for the Sacramento Kings. And they didn't lose any of their shooters in free agency or the trade deadline or anything else. They're coming back with Buddy Hield and Bogdan Bogdanovich and – uh, guys like De'Aaron Fox, who shot almost 38% from the field, Harrison Barnes, uh, who should be acclimated, you know, uh, who should be better, Nemanja Bjelica, who may or may not see a lot of corp time, we don't really know. Um, but still, the core group of shooters are still there. And I think that you're giving Luke Walton an absolute perfect roster for what he's trying to do. Now, whether that's going to work out or not, we don't know. Uh, Luke Walton... Um, outside of his, what was it, 38-1, and 39-1 stint as the Warriors head coach. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, he didn't have a lot of success with the Lakers. And uh, I think that Lakers team last year, most people thought was a 50-plus win team. Uh, very poorly put together, could not avoid drama all over the board. Um, so I kind of want to see what he can do. And um, I heard the same thing you that you talked about with Bob Iyer. Um, the attention to detail, he was able to teach a switching defense to a bunch of NBA hopefuls in a three-day minicamp. Uh, Doug, I was shocked by their ability 
to move and shake on the floor to guard people. Uh, while Justin James didn't have a huge breakout um, California Classic, uh, I thought watching him on defense was was like, wow. Now I see, uh, wh- number one, why they drafted him because of his versatility, but also I see that the switching defense that someone can bring to the table. Byers, of course, spent, um, I think, eight years over two different stints with Stan Van Gundy, um, Brandon Malone. He's spent time with. Uh, he's a coach that's been around for a long time, and the attention to detail is something that I think can really change the outcome of the season. Um, outside of that, were there any other coaches, Doug, that that uh, surprised you or that you have a relationship with? Uh, you know, Stacy Ogman or Rico Hines or or any of these guys that you know? Uh, no, I mean I, I know Stacy from playing with him. I, I I have you know watched him. I know he went to Asia. He's done some different things. So, uh, I, but I don't know his coaching style. So I, I'm I'll be excited to watch some of these guys. Rico Hines, I know with the connections to UCLA, obviously uh, in the summer league, uh, summertime is going to be uh, fan- fantastic. But no, I, I this is going to be for me a, a wait and see. That's why when I did see Bob and I, I saw how he attacked the defensive end, I just, my jaw dropped because I was thinking, wow, we have probably one of the best defensive point guards in the NBA. I think we have a young player in Marvin Bagley that if you show him how to play defense, I think that he can be fantastic, especially with his anticipation on blocking shots and different things like that. Now he learns not to use the athleticism, but understanding position and spatial defense and uh, all of those things. This can become, in my opinion, a really good team defensive team. And Harrison Barnes is fantastic on the defensive end. Trevor Ariza is a good defensive player. I think Bogdan is can be a really good team defender. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the NBA is today. So Bob with principles on the defensive end, attention to detail and teaching defensive principles. Uh, you start to put all that together and you got a young team, I think, that is deep enough that you can play defense at a high level because you have the substitutions and the ability to not lose um, the type of player when you go to your bench. Bogdan coming in, you're not losing anything there. You're, you got a ball handler and a shooter. Those are things that I think the Kings can compete against the Western Conference teams because of their depth. Yeah, I completely agree. The The defensive side of the ball to me is intriguing because the Kings didn't do a lot of switching last year or, or really the last three years. Um, when Jaeger took over this team, um, he had one group of guys, and by the middle of the next season, he had a completely different group of guys. And by the end of his next season, he had a completely different group of guys. That doesn't lend itself to running a highly efficient switching defense um you know and they also didn't have players that could play multiple positions so i mean for my money you came into last season and we'll get to this a little bit when we talk about the the additions and subtractions last year you came into the season with iman shumpert as your starting small forward with justin jackson as as your backup and that's just not what the kings are walking into this season with i think they the depth is spectacular and uh, I think that you're going to be able to do a lot more things because of that depth, because of the length at multiple positions. Um, I, I like a lot of what's going on here. And then, you know, of course, we have, uh, what is it, Igor Kokoskov, uh, who coached last year with the Phoenix Suns. Um, he's the first NBA head coach born outside of the United States, but 
Um, he's uh, he's a guy that that spent most of his youth and everything else in in the United States working to be a head coach through the college system and through you know all the other things. He spent 17 years as an assistant. Uh, he spent a lot of time with Alvin Gentry, if I'm not mistaken. Um, these are you know it, it's a guy that. Uh, that has been around and knows a lot about the game, spent some time with Quinn Snyder in Utah. Uh, I think he's a good addition. Jesse Mermes is, uh, he's a Luke Walton guy Mm -hmm. and he, he coached the summer league squad. And, you know, my takeaway from him, Doug is he's a very, very nice guy. Um, I don't know Mm -hmm. what that means about basketball. Uh, but he is a very good guy and a nice support staff guy for uh luke walton they've had a long-term relationship um so yeah some some interesting additions uh, i mean i don't um lindsey harding they added to the squad who's a great mm-hmm. nba uh, WNBA player um who, who mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot of experience yet but w- we'll see how that goes and these are you know some player development coaches that they have like augman and uh, bobby jackson's back doing that stuff so so it's a different group um you know again i thought that the group that the the Kings had last year uh, under Jaeger did a great job. Um, you know, uh, guys like Jason March and uh, Larry Lewis and Bob Thornton and Dwayne Tickner, um, Brian Gates, Elston Turner. I, I'm glad to see Elston Turner land uh, firmly on his feet as the number two in Houston. Um, a lot of these guys are bouncing in and back into the league. Uh, I know Brian Gates is back with Minnesota. Uh, but good group of guys and Look, Doug, this is the NBA world. Head coaches come and go. Um, I think Luke Walton is my seventh, and this will be my tenth year. Um, and I, I can't even count how many assistant coaches I've 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 met. Also, Coach Rana or Rana from Canada basketball uh, is an assistant coach. Got to meet him. A really really nice guy too. You know him. When I look at coaching nowadays, it's it's past knows in my opinion this is just frankly my opinion but uh coaching today is about player development it's about the ability Mm -hmm. to take players and develop them uh and you have to find the right type of people to develop these players because if you look at the golden state warriors if you look at the san antonio spurs a lot of those players were drafted or picked up but you've seen vast improvements um, that is where the game is because these players are coming in at such young ages and, and they haven't had a lot of coaching and they haven't, you look at a guy like Marvin Bagley, that's pure talent. He's doing what he's doing because of talent. The same, even with De'Aaron Fox mm-hmm. and the defensive principles of, of hands and where they need to be and talking and communicating. And I, I talked about physical uh, and spatial awareness on the floor and understanding your positioning on the floor, your physical position, your spatial position, where's the ball, where are you supposed to be? These are all teaching things in player development. So that is, I think, how this group will be judged is do they have the ability and do we see vast improvements in the players because player development is is a premium, in my opinion, in the coaching ranks today. Uh, I firmly, firmly agree with that, and I think the guys that uh, that had this team last year, they did a great job. Um, they, they again, um, when Dave Yeager took over this team, I, I think. Let me see if I can rattle this off really quick, Dave, uh, Doug. Um, starting point guard was Darren Collison with 
um, with Ty Lawson as his backup. He had Aaron Aflalo, uh, Ben McLemore at the two. He had Rudy Gay, Matt Barnes, and Omri Caspi at the three. Uh, he had Demarcus Cousins at the five with Costa Kufis. He had Anthony Tolliver. Um, you know, this is uh, a completely Willie Cauley Stein was on that team. A completely different roster in during the three years that uh, we're talking about. And uh, you've got to you've got to change not just your style, but the objective. The objective initially was to get to the playoffs. The objective midway through that first season was no longer get to the playoffs. It was survive. And then it's developing five rookies at one time. How do you how do you bring along five young players? And we get to year two of that. Uh, you add a Marvin Bagley. You add some sprinkling some pieces here and there. And all of a sudden, um, I thought what they were able to do is, is absolutely remarkable. So kudos to those guys. But uh, again, the NBA is always changing. And Player development clearly was uh, was the mindset the last two years, and now hopefully the Kings are ready to take off. Um, and that brings us to our next topic, Doug, which is um, the roster, the roster overhaul, which was massive, uh, absolutely tremendous. The the Kings were able to um, bring Harrison Barnes back on a uh, four-year, $85 million contract. Um, they were able to sign Dwayne Dedman. Uh, to a f- uh, three-year, $40 million contract. They signed Trevor Ariza to your two-year, $25 million contract. Uh, Corey Joseph added as a backup point guard on a three-year, $37 million deal. Uh, Rashawn Holmes added on a two-year, $10 million deal. Uh, they brought in Tyler Lydon, who is uh, a former first-round pick that just hasn't found his footing. Um, they brought in Justin James and Kyle Guy in the draft. Um you know, Doug, uh, let's start with Harrison Barnes. Um, what is it that you liked about the 28-game sort of uh, feel-out period that the Kings got with Harrison Barnes? Uh, he's clearly a high-end athlete, a guy who, again, is part of Team USA, uh, a guy who's won a, a championship. Um, but what, what do you like uh, from Barnes, and how do you think he fits his roster long-term? Harrison Barnes, him, uh, what is not to like? Uh, I think that he is probably about a perfect fit for this Kings team as you can get. First of all, uh, I love his, his demeanor and his work ethic. And, you know, some people might go, well, you know, whatever, but I'm telling you, this is, it's a big piece, especially when you got young players and he's a guy who gets 20, 30 minutes or 30 minutes a night. So you get to see his process and how he works. He comes early, he stays late. That is invaluable for these young guys to see and understand. Then what impressed me about him was his defensive ability. I, I was, you know, probably heard a lot of the narrative that you heard from the Golden State Warriors and his time with the Warriors. And I think he's undervalued in a lot of d- different ways, not to mention he is the type of player, Ham, that, okay, he's getting paid whatever he's getting paid, but he's not the type of needy player that says, hey, man, I need my shots. I need the ball. And he's upset or, or he's having an attitude because he's not getting it, which if you went and got somebody who needed to make sure that they scored 25, 30 points a night, that could stunt the growth of Marvin Bagley and uh, De'Aaron Fox, who, in my opinion, are two dudes. I think that those guys have star potential. So you have to allow them 
to grow. What I mean by that is on a night where they might not have it going, Harrison also has the ability to give you 25, 30 points, but he he's not needy in that way. He does so many different things. So defensively and elite length at the wing position now is something that the Kings have. And uh, I just think a, a godsend of a fit, uh, the 73 and 19, he was a part of with Luke Walton. So they know each other. He knows the lingo. Um, this is, this is good stuff for the Kings in my opinion. Yeah, Doug. Uh, so let me, the couple of things that I like, um, you brought up the way his professionalism and the way that he handles himself. Um, I also think uh, this is a little bit of what we saw from Vince Carter. When Vince Carter was in Sacramento, um, he tried to express to these young guys that, look, I'm 40 years old, and I think during that season he turned 41, and my body's a temple, and if I want to keep playing, if I want to, you know, we saw him on on one of the shows this year during the summer uh, do like a windmill dunk in a suit at 42 years old. Um, if, if you want to do that, if you want to be that type of player, a player that can play 35 to 40 minutes a night every single night and play 82 and be durable, uh, then you have to do X, Y, and Z. And I see that from Harrison Barnes. He, he sits there with the, the whole compression pants, uh, you know, the big airbags on his legs. Uh, he goes and he works out. He ices after games. He sits in the ice tub. He's showing these guys how to take care of their bodies. And he's not that much older. I think he's 27 years old. He just turned 27. He's he's almost the same age as Bogdan Bogdanovich and Buddy Heald. I mean, there's this group of players now that the Kings have that are around that age. I'm also going to bring this up, Doug. Uh, the Kings were never going to land Harrison Barnes in free agency in the summer of 2019 unless they traded for him during the the trade deadline of 2018. And they would have never been able to acquire him if they hadn't left themselves $10 million at the, the beginning of 2000, the 2018-19 season because they used a bunch of empty cap space along with uh, Justin Jackson and along with uh, the expiring contract of Zach Randolph to acquire, uh, to acquire Harrison Barnes. So this isn't, it's never a short-term thing. It, it, the NBA is about long-term planning and about long-term fiscal responsibility. Uh, and some teams uh, have struggled with that. And, you know, you've seen the o- uh, Oklahoma City Thunder have to blow up their entire roster because, um, first of all, they weren't winning. And secondly, they were going to owe like $75 million in luxury tax. Uh, Portland Trailblazers have not done a good job historically of managing their money. There are a lot of teams like that. The Washington Wizards had to give away Kelly Oubre, had to give away Otto Porter. The Kings have been really, really good in this respect. And that brings me to my second point with Harrison Barnes. Um, he signed a, a four-year $85 million deal, and everyone cringes. And, and I just hate to tell people, uh, Harrison Barnes is coming off a deal where he was making over $25 million a year this season. So the Kings got him to take a little bit less money, roughly $2 million less per year. But in addition to that, he has a, de- a declining scale contract that goes down 8% per year. So $24 million this year, $22 million in year two, $20.3 million in year three. And in year four, when all of these young players that the Kings have and their contracts are starting to explode, uh, while the salary cap it goes, it will be roughly around $138 million, um, Harrison Barnes will only count for $18.7 million, which is, I think it's 14% of the cap at that time. 
And so the reason I bring this up is because, number one, the Kings wouldn't have landed him just as a free agent. Uh, and so by getting him in and showing him what you're about and how you conduct business and the young talent on the roster, uh, they were able to get him to, to buy in. And then they were able to land a player that normally uh, would probably bypass Sacramento. And if you look at the free agents that the Kings brought in, they brought in some really good players. They did not bring in anyone that was anywhere near the quality uh, sort of over their career that Harrison Barnes has been. And so I think that that was an interesting move. Um, sec- uh, lastly, um, I mentioned it a, a few minutes ago, Doug. Um, the Kings walked into last season with Amon Shumpert and Justin Jackson as their their two small forwards. Uh, with Bogdan Bogdanovich on the injured list, who had the ability to play some small forward, um, but they had no length at the position and no strength. So Iman Shumpert's 6'5". Um, he's more of a two. Uh, Justin And he had played 14 games a year before. And, uh, and Justin Jackson was he's just not strong enough to man the position against starting level small forwards. Um, this year you have Barnes and then the second player the Kings brought in for the position is Trevor Ariza. Uh, Ariza gets a two year, $25 million deal, um, but he'll, he'll make 12.2 million this year. Uh, he has a $1.8 million guarantee in year two, uh, but the Kings can get out from underneath that and free up cap space again. Um, what do you like of that combo of Ariza and Barnes as the small forwards, not just for this year, but maybe next year, and of course Barnes for, for four years? So the Kings have sort of locked up that position. I think it's spectacular because in today's basketball with all the switching, not to mention you and I have had this conversation many times off air. We talk about the Kings' need uh, need for elite length at that uh, wing position uh it's imperative to be able to compete not to mention ham you got two guys at the wing position who have nba championship experience i think that is truly truly invaluable ariza stretches the floor a three and d guy he can knock down the three ball defensively he can switch out on anybody uh and guard them the same with harrison barnes so uh if you go back and forth between those two players, and I would say that if you wanted to play a small lineup and uh, have them switching across the the line and some sometimes playing the four position, I think that that's something that's probably doable as well. I think this is uh, as good as it gets because Trevor, as he wanes in his career, he can get you probably 25 minutes on some nights Harrison can give you 30 plus if he gets a little dinged up you got a guy in Trevor Reese that can come in and, and he could start for a lot of teams so I think that depth at that three position is just spectacular yeah you take the the 30 age 34 for Trevor Reese and I think he just kind of threw it out the window um, when he got traded last year the Washington Wizards he was really good in the second half of the season now he might not be an elite defender anymore at this point in his career uh, but he's still a really, really solid veteran player. And he's realistically, he's better than anything the Kings had at the small forward position last season yeah. uh, during, you know, uh, up until the f- the point that they, they were able to bring in Harrison Barnes. So I, I just don't see how you didn't improve the position. And you talked about the versatility. Harrison Barnes can slide over, play some four. Trevor Ariza can play some three. Uh, worst case scenario, you're looking at Trevor Ariza between 16 and 20 minutes per game. Um, so again, that takes away the issue about age. It takes away 
um, a, a lot of the concerns that you might have. And did you pay him a lot of money? Yes, but I hate to tell this to people. NBA players make a lot of money. And the mid-level exemption, Doug, uh, which, you know, sat during your playing days, um, I'm not even sure they had an MLE, but it, it popped up towards the end of your career, and it was between 4 and $5 million a year. The, the MLE is over, over $9 million this year. And so uh, getting a player at $3 million over the mid-level exemption, that's really not that much money um, in the grand scheme of things. And I thought the Kings were able to manipulate their cap and use it in a lot of different ways. Um, Doug, let's skip to, to Corey Joseph. Uh, Corey Joseph, again, he, he signed a, a three-year $37 million deal. Um, in year one, he'll make 12. In year two, he'll make 126 uh, in year three, he'll make 12.6. But the final year of his deal, um, from my sources, is guaranteed at just $2.4 million per, uh, for that final year. So um, you have not just a quality veteran uh, that, that fits a need as the reserve point guard, um, but you also have a player who you've got locked up for two, potentially three years. He's still young. He fits sort of what you're doing right now. Uh, and he's a guy who's played major minutes in the past that can step in if, if you lose Fox for any substantial amount of time. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Corey Joseph? You know, I, I like Corey Joseph, not to mention the fact that, uh, first of all, you just mentioned many, whether it's de-escalating contracts, whether it's partially guaranteed contracts, the Kings are set up in a really, really good way if you really lay all that out and look at it. But when you talk about Corey Joe, uh, he's a veteran point guard. He's not going to make a lot of mistakes. I also think that this speaks to De'Aaron Fox needs to play 30 minutes a game. I mean, it's time for him to step up and show that he can play uh, the, the boatload of the minutes and be the type of player that we all know that he can be. But at the same time, you have an absolutely solid point guard coming in behind him. I also love the veteran leadership because Corey Joseph, as a veteran, been in a lot of big playoff games and different things. We just mentioned Trevor Ariza. So now you got wing players and guys that aren't going to panic. They understand the big situations. Uh, I think he is a fantastic pickup. Also, uh, a little bigger than we've seen at the backup point guard position. We've had some smaller guys. Now, all of a sudden, you go up, I want to say Corey Joseph was about 6'2", I believe he is. Uh, so that type of size at the point guard position coming in with De'Aaron Fox, uh, if you need to push the tempo, he can do that. He can knock down shots. I, just a, a quality backup point guard. Yeah, to me, I mean, first of all, you had a 3.9 to 1 assist to turnover ratio. So basically a 4 to 1 assist to turnover ratio last year, uh, which is nuts. Um, he doesn't score a lot. He averaged six points a game, but he's a guy who knows his role. Uh, he's an exceptional defender, and um, I think that's what the Kings were looking for. Uh, whether or not they had uh, huge conversations, uh, I know they had conversations with Patrick Beverly, and we had Patrick Beverly come out and run his mouth after after uh, the Kings basically, um, after you know he signed back with the Clippers. But the reason I bring this up is, is because it plays into a point that you made. Um, every single player outside of Harrison Barnes uh, so we're talking Rashawn Holmes, we're talking Corey Joseph, we're talking um, uh, Dwayne Dedman, you know, uh, and all of it, and Trevor Ariza. No one got more than two years guaranteed. Uh, and mm -hmm. every single one of them, the third year was a team option. 
every single one of these guys. Uh, and that's if they got a third year. So Ariza doesn't have a third year. The second year is the team option. Um, you know, so your, your core, your Deadman, your core, Joseph, um, these guys. So when you hear, uh, Patrick Beverly say that the Kings offered him way more money in a, and a four year deal, um, I'm told very like from sources inside the Kings that like, look, we didn't give anyone the offer that he sang. So he's not being honest about what was offered. Now that's them saying that. And, uh, whether that's the the case or not, I heard that it, his the offer that that they made to him was right around what they made to Corey Joseph, maybe two or three million more than that, a three year forty million dollar deal with the third year as a team option, and that was it. Um, but it gives the Kings this flexibility. Uh, the other thing I'm going to point out, Doug, is um, the Kings have some division rivals that ate them alive last year, uh, in particular the combination of Montrez Harrell and Corey Joseph. They absolutely killed the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Montrell, uh, sorry, Montre, Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams. Lou Williams, Lou Williams excuse me. Yep. Uh, they killed the Kings. And I look at Corey Joseph, and I, I now see why they brought him in. They brought him in to be physical with Lou Williams when he comes off the bench for the Clippers. Uh, and, of course, with other teams as well, but really – that's a team that you're competing with, although they went out and did some amazing things. Um, and then when you get to that uh, that other position, um, whether it was Willie, whether it was Costa, whether it was Harry Giles, it didn't matter who the Kings threw at Montrez Harrell. He ripped them apart, and it was ugly, and it wasn't pleasant at all to watch, Doug. Um, and so this year, the Kings went different. They they added Dwayne Dedman uh, and let Willie Cauley-Stein go. Uh, and they had Rashawn Holmes, who really plays a lot like uh, Montrezl Harrell. He's a force of nature in the key, um, a, you know, a super athlete. Uh, so let's start with Deadman. Um, again, just to break down Deadman's deal, he signs a three-year, uh, $40 million deal. Um, from my sources, it's exactly broken down, 13.3, 13.3, 13.3. Um, and they have a $1 million partial guarantee in the final year. So you got Dwayne Dedman basically for a two-year, uh, $28 million contract with that final year if you want to bring him back. Um, uh, but it gives you time, right, Doug? I think that that's what this pickup was about. Uh, it was about bringing a, pro- a player that has similar characteristics to a guy like Willie Cauley-Stein, except for... He's a rim protector, and he shot 38.2% from the three-point line and can stretch the floor. What are your thoughts on, on Deadman? Uh, I, I love Deadman. Uh, I had to go back and look because I seen 38.2 from the three, and I had to say, okay, I don't remember him really. But I went back. His form, the, the stroke on the shot looks really good. He is the type of player who he started basketball late, so he's a late bloomer. He's come along. Uh, if you know his story and if you don't, go check it out because it's really intriguing as he, he grew up and wasn't able to play basketball and, and finally goes to USC, plays, and uh, comes through the Spurs system. So you know he has uh, some some basketball IQ, not to mention for Kings fans who've watched him, he's been a Kings killer. He's one of those guys that have mm-hmm. played particularly well versus the Kings. So from the defensive end, I love the fact that he's a rim protector the ability to stretch the floor and knock down shots, I think is going to be fantastic. He can catch lobs at the same time. And you mentioned Rashawn Holmes. 
uh, again, a a great pickup, a guy that we've watched, and he has battled the Kings. um, And you mentioned Montrose Harold. That's the type of player that can do it. Not to also. You mentioned um, Dwayne Dedman giving time. That time is for Harry Giles to grow. What, what is Harry going to be? Also, the health of Harry Giles. I think that Rashawn Holmes is the type of guy that, that can back up because if if anything, God forbid, happens to Harry or he's not able to go, the Kings have insurance policies. If, if Harry continues to become the player that we saw before he got hurt at the end of last year, well, then these contracts are right in line with that because Harry starts to blossom, he starts to take off, and then these contracts go off the books, and there's your guy, he's doing his thing. So uh, a, two, just two really solid moves by the Kings. Yeah, I, I don't think, I mean, there was a lot of talk. Uh, I knew coming into the the day before free agency opened, uh, I was told um, that the Kings believed they would either land Al Horford or they would add Dwayne Dedman. Uh, they would have one of the two by the end of the day. Uh, and, of course, I think they, they figured out pretty quickly that Al Horford had intentions of, of going to Philly, um, and they switched gears and they, they stayed the course on what they wanted. And the reason why they focused on those two specific players when there were a ton of, a ton of decent bigs, even uh, you know Nikola Vucevic uh, was out there and a lot of people were reporting that the Kings were all in on him and then the Kings weren't. Like, I, I, like very early I was like, look, they're, they're, we're just not interested. Um, I was hearing from, from sources. Um, and so basically you, you look at what Deadman does and – he doesn't eat uh, field goal attempts uh, from Marvin Bagley. He stretches a floor for Marvin Bagley. He still gives you the the speed and quickness. We saw him run with the super fast-paced Atlanta Hawks team last year. Um, he's a good team guy. You brought up one other thing, a Spurs guy. Uh, Corey Joseph is a Spurs guy. Uh, Garrett Temple was a Spurs guy. If you look at the the course of Lottie Divot's time, uh, Marco Bellinelli, he brings in players that played for the Spurs, and that's a very specific reason. He's bringing in role players to support the group that he has. And uh, I, I love the Rashawn Holmes thing. Um, he is a, an absolute joy to watch. He's going to be a fan favorite, but he's lost in a, in a very crowded front line. And Luke Walton has uh, has a really tough time. He's going to have a tough time figuring out, uh, is Harry ready? When is Harry ready? Is there going to come a point where he's ready to take over the starter position? Um, is there going to come a point where he's not playing well or Dwayne Dedman misses some time and you need Rashawn Holmes for major minutes? Uh, I, I think he's got a really intriguing trio. You have your veteran. You have your young player that's got all kinds of multifaceted skills in Harry Giles, uh, and then you have your Energizer Bunny in in Holmes, and it just really will depend on night in and night out what the Kings need at that position. But now they have depth, they have versatility. Uh, all all three of those guys though can run the floor and won't slow you down. So uh, I'm impressed with with all of those pickups. Um, now, Doug, the Kings didn't have a first-round pick. Uh, we all know the drill there. It was from uh, the deal back in, what was it, 2015 when they, they cleared out uh, Carl Landry, Jason Thompson, and Nick Stauskas' salary. 
um, and and Vladi will tell you it was a mistake. Uh, at the end of the day, though, Doug, it really didn't hurt the team that bad. Uh, not as bad as you would think. Um, even the pick swap that happened, I think the Kings came out on top, uh, and they got De'Aaron Fox over um, one of the players that they might have gotten there. Uh, and so I, I think everything in the long run sort of worked out from that deal. Um, but not having a first-round pick, just two second-round picks, uh, well, three second-round picks, um, what are your thoughts uh, on um, Justin James and, and Kyle Guy? We got to see a taste of them at Cal Classic. Uh, Justin James got hurt at uh, Las Vegas and didn't play much, um, but Kyle Guy did play a lot, earned himself a two-way contract, which I, I know a lot of fans were confused why they gave him a two-way contract. Justin James, uh, the, the roster spot with the Kings, um, but look, Kyle Guy was a 55th pick in the NBA draft and earned himself a two-way contract. That's pretty good. Uh, what what were your thoughts on those guys? You know, Justin James, I, I was intrigued. First of all, I, I like his size. You can tell that he's going to – he has a, a lot to learn, but there's a, a, a nice clump of clay in the, the, the mold of that wing position, the ability to finish and – uh, finish above the basket defensively, the motor to guard wing players. And, you know, he starts getting stronger and different things like that. Uh, looked at his jump shot. It doesn't seem to be a, a hitch in it or anything. It's the repetition and the professionalism that he's going to need to take. So he's an intriguing player that uh, with the right player development, again, um, he could be one of those second round players that you find and ends up having a long career. At the same time, he could be a guy that, never gets it and and he he's not around but i like what i see out of him kyle guy um he showed the chops to really compete and play at this level uh not afraid to shoot the ball he, he doesn't get gun uh shy at all when when he's missing and uh i, I really like what i saw from him now whether is he going to be that type of combo guard that can come in you know is he a point guard not really is he a two guard probably not big enough but he, w- with his ability to shoot the basketball and the way that we're seeing Fred Van Leets and different players be able to come in and compete and maybe not have a quote-unquote position, um, he's going to be an intriguing player that if he continues to improve, um, you could see him on the parent club. But yeah, he's got he's got work to do defensively. He's going to have to uh, listen to all the different things that are, are being told to him because uh, just watching him, sometimes he dies on picks and gets a little lost and things like that. But I like what I see from both of them, and uh, especially Justin James on the defensive end. Yeah, Kyle Guy is a guy who I don't think has ever been asked to play defense. I thought he was on his heels quite a bit. Um, he's got a lot of work to do, but he has an elite skill, and that is uh, he can shoot the ball from anywhere on the floor, um, an absolutely electric shooter. Uh, and I like Justin James's, uh, like his, his physical makeup. Uh, I like that at the college level, he stuffed a stat sheet all over the place. Um, I, I thought that that was great, um, and he needs to get a lot stronger. But I've heard both of those guys, tremendous uh competitors and spirit like they they have such a good attitude and personality uh that they are not going to detract from anything that's going on um so so doug uh the other two guys uh well the other three uh tyler lyden 
Um, we have no idea what Tyler Lydon is. He's six foot ten, stretch right. four. Um, I know a little bit has been made. I'll just bring this up very briefly because um, because it's been out there uh, that he's pretty vocal uh, in, on social media about um, you know uh, his his political views, uh, which don't mesh with you know a good percentage of NBA players and. Um, but I've been told that whatever you see on social media, uh, he's not like that behind the scenes. That um, that they didn't have any issues with him in uh, in Denver when it came to uh, you know being an antagonist behind the scenes when it came to political stuff. Uh, so he's no Spencer Hawes, is what I'm saying. Um, and he's a, a six foot ten stretch four uh, that's never been able to stay healthy since he he came out of college two years ago. But uh, low risk, twenty fourth pick in the draft in the 2017 draft uh and a low budget contract uh the kings also have winnie and gabriel who i thought looked tremendous in summer league he looks like he's getting stronger he's come back well from his foot injury he really has a lot to prove at the g league level after not having a great year last year uh and then last one is isaiah pinheiro uh a local kid he's on an exhibit 10 contract which means um, once he's waived by the parent club, if he goes to the G League and he lasts 60 days with the G League team, he'll get a bonus. Um, and so I would assume that that's the plan with him. But Doug, I liked him in uh, both the Cal Classic and in Las Vegas. Uh, gritty six foot seven defender with uh, just really built out. And again, a local kid from Placer High School up in Auburn. Um, good to see local kid kind of get a, an opportunity. Yeah, um, you know Tyler Lydon, as you mentioned, not not really sure what he is or who he is. We'll have to see. Winion Gabriel, I'm very impressed with Winion. He, he's worked his butt off, and he had a great summer league. Like to see the fact that he's come back. He stayed around. He's worked with the strength and conditioning. Got his got his foot back together. So, uh, and, and talk about elite size. I mean, he is long as you would ever yeah. think. So, but when you um, who was the last one there? Uh, Isaiah Pinheiro. I'm. I'm a big fan of Isaiah, actually. I got to watch him at USD. Uh, I did uh, two or three of his games in college for uh, WTV, which is the WCC network. Um, And just watching him, I was like, wow. In the WCC, he played three and four. He could knock down shots. You mentioned uh, his strength and size from the last time I saw him. He has even got bigger and stronger. So um, he, he has a fan here because uh, for my very first time watching him, and I want to say that was three years ago, and so he must have been a sophomore, um, I believe, and he, he was his motor stuck out to me, his uh, competitiveness stuck out, and he hasn't lost a drop of that. So, uh, And not to mention local talent. So to watch local talent be successful is just it's – I think it's good for the area. It's good for basketball in the area. But, uh, yeah, we will watch all three of these players because they have work to do, but you can see the improvement. Yeah. All right. So, so Doug, uh, I, I think Vlade did a very, very good job this off season. Um, I'm, I've made the statement, uh, me and Coase just had a, a season in review show. Look, I, I think Vlade looks at 
his core of De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Hield, Bogdan Bogdanovich, uh, Marvin Bagley, uh, Harry Giles, and uh, Harrison Barnes. He looks at those six players, and and he went into the offseason saying, how can I support those six players? Uh, and when you do that, Doug, you're taking a gamble that those six players are uh, going to be your legitimate core going forward. And right. And I think that they believe De'Aaron Fox can be a, uh, a star. I think they believe that Her, uh, uh, Marvin Bagley can be a star. I think they believe that Buddy Heald is going to average around 20 points a game for the next five years uh, and, and be one of the elite shooters in the league. I think they know what they have in Harrison Barnes. He's a multifaceted guy who solidifies a position long term. Uh, Harry Giles is a bit of a wild card, um, but you have to love what you have here. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is, is your jack-of-all-trades. He can play three positions. Uh, he can play off the ball. He can play on the ball. Um, he, he fits just about everything that you need to do, a Manu Ginobili-type player uh, that you hope improves over what we saw last year coming off the injury. Um, so Vladi gambled on his core and said that my core, I'm going to have stars in that core uh, and I need really, really good role players to put around them. I think he solidified the backup point guard position. I think he added incredible depth at the wing. Uh, I think he added a really different look at the center position, which is good. Um, I think he pulled a lot of these pieces together. Uh, but he would not have been able to do that without uh, guys like Ken Catanella, who has done an incredible job of, of working this salary cap again and again. Uh, I think Peja is his sounding board. And then uh, I think Anthony M- uh, McGlish, who is, um, who's the general manager of the Stockton Kings, I think he did a tremendous job because a lot of the players that were brought in, uh, the summer league roster, but also a lot of the players that were brought in were part of his stuff. Uh, you know, when they had 17 workouts, brought in 101 different prospects. Um, we're seeing like stamps from different people uh, and, and you got to like what you're seeing out of this front office group as they move forward. I don't know how Joe Dumars fits into that, but, um, you know, I guess we'll see, but uh, are you happy with what your guy did here? I, I really am. And one of the, uh, probably under the radar moves, and we talked about it earlier that I just think speaks to the acumen and the IQ and the, what you said earlier, the long-term vision and understanding long-term vision was the ability to find a big that could stretch the floor. Thus, in Dwayne Dedman, thus you don't force Marvin Bagley to turn into Marquise Chris and have to shoot three-pointers, and if he's not knocking them down, it doesn't speak well to his game. You still allow him to develop, allow him to play in the interior where he has been absolutely dominant. He'll give you 20 and 10 if you play him down there, but he can still shoot his three to five three-pointers a game and transition to different things, but that does not define how well he's playing. These are the little tiny moves within the moves, in my opinion, to speak to what Vladi and Ken and Peja and everyone have done. I agree, man. Uh, I mean, I, I think this is, I mean, they did not go out and get a, a star. Uh, it's because they think they have stars. Um, yeah, and they're exactly. gambling. They're gambling on the fact that whether or not they have stars. Where That's yet to be seen, Doug, whether those guys are stars. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but I think that's the gamble that they took. 
Um, and at some point you got to go in some direction. Uh, lastly, Doug, um, De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley uh, are on the select team, which opens on Monday. I will be in Las Vegas uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to cover the select team. Harrison Barnes is on the parent club. Um, there is a very good opportunity uh, for specifically Fox, but also, I mean, even with Julius Randle pulling out of Team USA on, uh, on Saturday morning, um, there's an opportunity for both Marvin Bagley and De'Aaron Fox to potentially make the traveling team for Team USA that will play, uh, it, the, I think, September 1st against Czechoslovakia as their first game in, um, in China. Um, how, how much could that mean for these guys? Uh, how much do you think they, how good of a shot do you think they have? Um, and, and what is it that, uh, is there a concern that you're going to wear these guys out a bit coming into training camp? Um, or is it kind of like, look, this is, this is good. There, there is no negative to, uh, playing for the national team. You know, I'm looking at the latter there. I think this is good, and there's no negative. Um, you know, do you run the – both of them guys are like 19 years old. I mean, 20, whatever. I mean, they're, they're 20 and 21, young. yeah. <laughs> 20 and 21. So, I mean, this isn't something like, you know, they're 27, 28 years old, uh, and you're you're worried about their load management, and all these different things. Not to mention, you have yourself a deep team here in Sacramento, so it, that's not a big deal. I think that the learning is the invaluable part. The high level of competition, being on a national and a world stage, I think is something that not only is it great for Sacramento Kings because it is a fantastic look, but for them to get that type of exposure and competitiveness and a high level coaching, we talk about defense and different things like that. I think that this speaks volumes, not to mention, listen, when you talk about their chances, I'm, I'm like probably maybe even too high on both of these guys. I think that both of these guys can be stars. I think this is, could be the chance for De'Aaron Fox to step out on the national stage and blow people's mind on the world stage. The same for Marvin Bagley. I mean, I put those guys up against uh, any of the NBA players, whether they make it or not. I, I know that both of them will be able to compete. Marvin has a lot to learn on the defensive end. I think De'Aaron is about as good as a two-way player in this league as, as you're going to see. So I'm hoping that they make it because I think it's good for the Kings. I think it'll be good for, first of all, their uh, synergy and relationship, traveling together and, mm-hmm. and that one-two punch, but uh, also how to lead a team, how to be a professional, how to represent your country. These are all little little things in, in a bigger scope, I think, for both of them becoming the stars that I know Kings fans, I know Vlade, myself, you, that we hope that they can be, but these are the opportunities that you have to see. So uh, I got my fingers crossed for them, man. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I think Team USA walks in with Kemba Walker and Kyle Lowry as their only point guards on the roster. Uh, Kyle Lowry is coming off of thumb surgery and will miss at least the first week of of camp. Um, And then there might be a point where he just realizes, like, look, uh, this is probably a bad idea. Uh, They've brought in Marcus Smart to compete. Uh, Trey Young and and some other guys are going to be there on the select team as well. Um, but I think 
I think the door is wide open. And uh, it, just so people know, um, the I think the white and white versus navy will play uh, next Friday um, in um, in Las Vegas, uh, and, and then they'll probably break camp and make some decisions on who's going to get invited to the second week of camp, which is in LA uh, the week after next. Um, and then that builds up to a friendly versus um, Spain uh, a, a week from next Friday. Uh, so it, it would be a good thing, in my opinion, especially especially Fox. I mean, to be able to step into the national stage. And um, they only have really three or four guards on the roster. Um, and I think Donovan Mitchell, uh, Kimball Walker, Kyle Lowry, Marcus Smart. And Marcus Smart isn't guaranteed any spot either. Uh, he's just a little older, so they didn't add him to the select team. Uh, so I, I think the door's wide open. It'll be a lot of fun to see. Um, all right, Doug, I think that's going to do it. You got any, any final thoughts? No, man, I, I think it's fantastic. And, and even as you mentioned, um, both of those guys, you know, it, either way, they win. They make it. They get all the exposure. They get cut. They get pissed off, and they work harder on their game. So it's a win-win situation either way, in, in my opinion. But this is uh, this is going to be a lot of fun, man. There's a lot of moves, obviously, from the coaching staff to players. I think Kings fan uh, Kings fans should be optimistic. I may be a little more optimistic than than most of them as I get my predictions going forward. But this is uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Any night in the Western Conference, it's going to be must-see TV. Yeah, absolutely wild, all the improvements in the Western Conference. We'll get to that soon. Uh, all right, so that's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. Uh, if you haven't already, please uh, go subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can l- listen to us on just about every platform imaginable. Uh, give us a rating and a review. It will help us out greatly. Uh, for Doug Christie, I am James Ham. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we will be back very soon. I'll record a podcast from Las Vegas next week. Uh, let's get this thing rolling.